0: Welcome to Marketing Without the Marketing. I'm your host, Michael Bozzi, and I'm very glad that you can be here with me today. Now, I've been in the middle of a series about counterintuitive lessons that I've learned from running my own business over the past four years, and I've been focused on what I call the new customer relationship because, well, that's different now in the world of the web, right? The way that we attract customers through marketing, the way that we sell to them. Uh, via a variety of means, and then the way that we sort of arrange a relationship with them, the way that we do contracts, the way that we work on retention of those customers. All of that's different now because there's so much information on the web and the ability to talk to one another and all these other issues that that contribute to different consumer behavior. So I've been looking at that, and today's episode is about when you enter into that relationship, and that is often going to involve a contract. Now you might be a service business like mine, where a contract is important, right? So think of uh, a client and the vendor, and you might have you know an arrangement that's built around that, really important. But it also goes for when you're selling products too, right? If you have an app or a website, or something that that you're selling online, there's also what's called an EULA, which is End User License Agreement, which governs that relationship. It's also a contract. It's an agreement. A little bit different, but it's still an agreement. And to me, there's a set of principles that you should use when you're drawing up this arrangement. That's what I want to get into today. Now, the big thing, and it's the You know, The the focus of this episode is in running my own business, I just believe that contracts should not be a trap for the customer. You should never try to use this to sort of strong arm someone into remaining a customer or really doing anything that they don't want to do. We exist to serve as small businesses, right? And anything that we do that flies in the face of that, to me, is a problem. Right? That's not going to help you in your relationship. And keep in mind, when customers are very, very well connected with one another, if a relationship goes bad, that can have repercussions that have far-reaching effects. And you want to avoid that, right? just for practical reasons, never mind the fact that it's the right thing to do. Now, look, I'm not saying don't have a contract. That would be crazy, <laughs> right? I mean, you have to outline the agreement. But I'm just saying... I don't think it, it does anyone from either side any good to try to make that a trap for the client. For me, I want every client to feel like that contract that we're entering into is very low risk and high upside. Right. It's the beginning of a relationship, beginning of a working relationship. And, you know, it feels like a big step into the unknown, working with a new person or a new product or something, right? So you want to feel like it's not so risky, but that you're going to get a lot out of it. So the way that we design contracts then should mirror that, right? So let's back up for a second, just look at what contracts should do. They should be very simple, right? Lay out the job that's to be done and maybe a little bit about the method and the means by which that'll happen, right? You set some parameters, such as the term, the length of time, and then you lay out the fees and the structure of the payment, right? So the job is done and a payment's made. Great. There are a few other things that are important to the agreement, especially if this involves some creative work, which is often what I'm doing, uh, helping to either write blog posts or books or eBooks or online courses or social posts, you know, whatever. Here's the thing. When the work is done, And I've written something for you. It's your property. Anything we create as a part of this project is your intellectual property. And we have to have that in the contract, right? So that there's no ambiguity about it. Confidentiality. Again, it's your property. It's your business. There's nothing that I should be doing that's sharing any information about your business. That's only for you to do. Period. You also want to make sure that it's clear that there's no long-term obligations, right? So simple things like, look, uh, for me, when I'm uh, working with a client, I'm an independent contractor, not an employee. There's no long-term obligation to pay me or keep me on board or hire me again or whatever. It's just, you know, do the work, complete it, get the goals uh, achieved that you need to, to achieve, and we're done. And... Uh, of course, there's limitation of liability. We're not going to sue one another and all that, whatever. But also, the point of this episode is termination, right? So when you want to end the relationship, and that's what I want to focus on. So my theory is, if you want to go, go, <laughs> right? If this is not working out, I, I don't want to keep you, you know, trapped in something that you where you don't want to be, right? And I do have a clause, a termination clause in my contract, which is 10 days written notice, pay for all the services rendered at the time. That's fine. But in practice, I tend to be a little more lenient about it because, look, if it's not working, if this relationship is not happening, it's not clicking, whatever, let's cure it and move on, right? So we can both get back to work. And look, if you get to the point where people are pulling out contracts, the relationship is already kind of ruined, right? I mean... The contract's going to be useful. That's why we have them. But you're probably not in a pleasant place at that point, right? The client is not happy or the, or the contractor's not happy. And this is why, you know, issuing contracts right up front, this was the, the episode that I did a few weeks ago about NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, a contract up front before you even have a working relationship. To me, you're just inserting this sort of negative thing, This this thing that says we don't trust one another. And I left a link in the show notes for you so you can listen to that episode if you like. But look, again, I'm not saying not to have contracts, but they should be simple to the point and come from a starting point of trust. We go into this relationship saying, I trust you. You trust me. If something is done later to betray that trust from either side, all right, we'll look at it again, but we're going to start with trust, mutual trust. Now, let me give you a couple instances where this has happened in practice, where, you know, the, the relationship was not working. So for instance, I had, uh, let's uh, look at this one client where I had done all the work and completed all the hours under the contract, but it, it it wasn't yielding the effect that the client wanted to get, right? It wasn't getting her to where she needed to be. This was clearly not working. And look, that's the nature of this sometimes, right? Content marketing is no guarantee, You come up with a strategy, execute a plan to the best of my ability, knowing everything that I know about the client, whatever, and sometimes it doesn't work. We put in our best effort, but it might not work. And I say this to clients up front all the time, right? Full disclosure, this is not a guarantee. I say this to my students too, when we do their projects in class, you're going to set out with the best intentions, you're going to do your best work, and guess what? it might not yield an effect. That's the nature of this. And when that happens, you know, actually, that's good information. If you know that content marketing is not going to work, but you've tried it, it's been fairly low risk. Yes, you've spent some time, some money on it, but that's a good thing to know, right? That's something that actually feeds your business, just knowing that it's a no, (laughs) right? But with this client, We both acknowledge. look, it's not working. Let's part ways and let's do so immediately, right? We had some remaining uh, money left on the contract. And I think we just came up with a way to split the difference on payment, whatever, just something to cure it and move on. Now, I could have been firm and said, listen, we have an agreement and you're supposed to pay. I did all the work, whatever. But look, she wasn't happy with it. It wasn't getting the result that she wanted. So we just sort of split the difference. And look, that's the way that I prefer to run my business. I'd rather be nice about it. Now, let me give you another example. I had another client. uh, We were doing work on her uh, branding, building a portfolio, getting her writing out there and optimized on her website and all that. Uh, And in the middle of the project, she got this sweet new job um, and she took it. So she and I put everything we were doing on hold. Right? Because she had to go and do this project. This was a a really awesome opportunity for her. And look, she had outstanding obligations on our contract, but it was no longer going to work for her. So what was I going to do? Just say, you have to honor the contract and you have to pay because you know we have an agreement. Why? Why would I do that? Right? I just let her go and we put everything on indefinite pause, the work and the payment. And that was it. And and then here's the thing, you know, actually, this was like uh, over a year ago, but she just got in touch again last month, said, hey, my project is over. Uh, let's pick up the work again, Michael. Okay, great. And, and look, we're well past the end date on that contract. It, it's almost a year later, I think. But so what? Who cares, right? And to me, this is what you have to do. You got to be flexible in this. Right now, the sort of hard-nosed, dog-eat-dog business people might say, Michael, you're allowing yourself to be taken advantage of. Now, here's what I say to that. Look, it's, it's my business. I get to run it the way I want to, and I want to be nice to people. And I want them to be nice to me. And letter of the law on your contracts, that's not the way to do that. And yes, I want to have contracts. I want to outline the working relationship that we have, but I want my contracts to be fair not just this thing that's for my advantage only, but for both of our advantages, right? All right. One more scenario that I want to lay out as an example of trapping someone in the contract goes back to my publishing days. And especially for those of you who are writing books, aspiring authors, or, you know, published authors, either way. Uh, There's a common clause in the publishing contract which is called the right of first refusal and you've probably heard this in other contracts But if you don't know what this is, let me explain it And if you are in the position of signing a publishing contract, please get them to strike that It's usually not that important to a publisher and it is very important to you Basically what this clause does is it says, okay, we're going to enter into this relationship And then there's a right of first refusal on the writer's next work So in other words What the author is supposed to do is say, okay, I've written this book. We've published it. That's great. And now the next idea that I have for a book, I've got to run it by you, the publisher, first. I need to get an answer and uh, a yes or no from that publisher. If the publisher says yes, okay, that's fine. If the publisher says no, then and only then are you allowed to shop it around to other publishers. This to me is such hubris right it says uh we're the only publisher that matters and you should come to us first like why would you sign the rights away uh to your next idea to this publisher you don't know how this relationship's going to work uh starting with a contract for your first book what if it's a crappy relationship you're still obligated to give them your next idea give them the choice of this now for authors writing is their livelihood Right, you as the publisher want to put a claim on their future works too before you've even proven what you can do with this one first. I mean, again, it's at the beginning of contract number one, after all. And when I was a young editor in the publishing business, right, and I didn't know anything, I left that clause in because it was in the boilerplate. It was in the goddamn boilerplate. I can't believe there was such arrogance from the publisher's standpoint. But once I knew better, I advise my authors to strike this clause, right? Even though that's not what my bosses wanted me to do. But I also knew that it wasn't something, it wasn't the hill you were going to die on, right? This was not that important to publishers. They just wanted to use it as a little bit more leverage, right? If you can have the chance or the first option on what might be a huge success with the first book, and now you've got an option on the second, I mean, the publisher says, oh, why don't I take that? Why don't I take those rights? Why don't I claim those right now? Uh, it's crazy. Uh, So even though, you know, my bosses didn't want me to do this, I would strike the clause. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. And it made my authors trust me more as their editor. And speaking from a purely transactional point of view that often paid dividends down the road when I needed them to, you know, work through the weekend to finish that chapter or work over the holidays to finish the, 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 the final draft of the book or do the edits or reviews or whatever. Some other intrusion into their world, I could kind of, you know, I'd built up some trust so I could ask that and they would do that for me. Trust is really, really important. You earn some trust early. You have the opportunity to have it paid back to you. You start from a deficit. You'll never get the benefit of the doubt. And even though contracts are a formal agreement, a formalization of the arrangement that you have, you can still have these principles apply. You can. I do it. You can do it too. I never feel like I'm being taken advantage of. I get to choose the people who I work with. They're all really good people who are just trying to run a business, trying to help other people. I get to support that. That's awesome. I love doing that. But we start from a place of trust. And if it doesn't work out, if the thing is not yielding the effect that we want, then we find a way to move on. It's really that simple. This doesn't have to be this, you know, doing business doesn't have to be this awful thing. It should be, let's work together, see if we can make something happen. If it doesn't work, let's not. Right? No harm done. All right. That seems to be a good place to stop. Uh, Next week, I'm going to get into something similar, which is about not forcing dependency. Um, This is another thing that is kind of a little bit different than the termination clause. Something where you lock someone in and make them continue to be a customer uh, through various means. And you've seen this, you know, via user interface or terms of service or fine print or whatever. There's a lot of different methods and I want to dive into that. It's a little bit different, but... Anyway, hope that you found this to be helpful and subscribe if you want me to remind you about next week's episode and future episodes. Uh, I'd love to have you on my list and uh, well, we'll see you next week.